The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Okay, as, as, as the kids are going out, I'm already a wreck. Uh, Mother's Day is like, what? Come on, people, crazy people stand in pulpits on Mother's Day. Uh, I thought my last sermon would have something to do with my mom, but I want to say to you ladies out here, good golly, we cannot thank you enough. Let's give them a hand, sure. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. You gave your lives in a sense so that we could have life. You, you broke your body in a sense. There's a picture of Christ in the very birthing of a child and the sacrifice made. Thank you, thank you, endlessly thank you for what you've done. And we love you and we thank God America. I just asked my friend from Bolivia over here who plays keyboard for us, Moises. He said, do you celebrate Mother's Day in Bolivia? Oh, he said, oh, of course. And then he went through a a talk because somehow (laughs) if Mother's Day didn't exist, we would make it exist because of the goodness and loving kindness of the Lord through these amazing women in our life. Um, This morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, my history, which you've heard. Uh, My uh, mother um, uh, died a little young. She was about uh, 59 years old, I think. And Uh, If you could maybe flash up the first picture back there, guys. That's my mother. Uh, She was (laughs) uh, just one of the greatest ladies you'll ever know. Part of the story is I've I've told it before, but when my father was on Okinawa, (laughs) every week of her life, she dragged me to church, sit me next to her in the aisle, to just kind of represent my dad. And she's just a great lady. She was the pledge queen of the University of Maryland. Her boyfriend there was the captain of the football team. I mean, it's right out of some kind of novel, but life wasn't easy for her if you could change (laughs) this part was, but if you could do the next picture. Uh, She, uh, sometime (laughs) after that, was out with this guy here. And if you look very closely at my father, he's looking at her like he just won the Bloomin' Lottery. Do you see that in his eyes? Can you see well enough? What the heck? Please disregard the cigarette, all, all you teenagers, the cigarette in my mother's hand. And there might just be a drink there too. Because this is a picture that was very similar to the night at Army-Navy Country Club. First date my dad had with uh, my mom. He was 29, uh, and she was uh, about 21. Shame on him. Let's just say that up front. And, uh, and he, as the night progressed, and the, uh, you and the night and the music filled me with something. I don't want to fill in the blank there, but I believe desire is in there. He asked her to marry him on the first date. He never asked anyone else to marry him. And, uh, you know, she's listening to this and she's filtering it. This is like crazy town. And she uh, goes, well, <laughs> this is so romantic. Uh, ask me some other time when you haven't had so much to drink. Well, about six months later, he was heading off to uh, Korea 
And she said, do you remember that question you asked me? And immediately, he said, will you marry me? He hit the jackpot. She cared for him. She loved him every single day of his life. And you'll see here in the scripture, there was a prosperity of soul and goodness and closeness to the Lord for all their failings and my own that was beautiful to watch. They got married. They began to have children when he got back from Korea. And with child three, she was in a hospital. And I got to see her. I was probably five, five uh, years old, and this will uh, apply to some in this room. Her throat was cut pretty much almost from stem to stern, whatever that means. Uh, she had had her thyroid removed. She had cancer as about a 25-year-old woman with three kids. But she never complained. She uh, gets mother of the year as far as I'm concerned. Some in here, I've, I saw you come in this morning. You've lost your moms and you lost them young. But you haven't lost the Lord Jesus. And she waits for you in heaven. She waits with you and watches you and wants and longs for your good, your prosperity, and that you might have love and life and that abundant. So, uh, that's, I, I don't know if there's another picture. I think that's probably it. But uh, she was just a great lady. Great to the, this degree, uh, uh, she reminds me of the virtuous woman in, in a Proverbs, and it is because of her and my dad. Now, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold off a second here. Thank you. This is, um, <laughs> that's my son Scott. I don't know how he uh, walked his way into this picture. But this is my sweetheart and the mother of my children, who is one of the most dedicated Christians you will ever meet in your life. And she knows I love her every day of my life. Those of you that have contemplated death as husbands, I don't know about you, but the first thing I thought, the first loss I was afraid of and fearful of was of her. Because she is a virtuous, godly woman, and why she married me, I will never know. But I thank God that she did. You know, in Proverbs 31, which has always uh, already been... Uh, spoken on this morning so beautifully by Tanya. It says this, the words of King Lemuel. No one knows who King Lemuel is. The, the operative point that we need to understand, it's, a, it's an oracle. That's it's a prophetic word, perhaps, or an authoritative expression. He's just laying it out. These were the words of King Lemuel, except they were words you'll see in the second portion of verse 1, that his mother taught him. By our example and by our words, our moms, you moms, make such a difference in our lives. It is beyond expression. And here she is, this a veritable treasure trove of goodness, speaking to her son, teaching him. So A, mark down a function for a mom is a teaching function. You know, I, I look around this church, this church is filled with teachers, teachers of elementary 
school children. I, I, I noticed Elizabeth Schmidt got an award from the county. Maybe I mentioned that, but I'm very proud of her. She's one of our soccer kids. She's probably upstairs with the children. I don't want her to raise her hand if she's in here, but godly woman, single, but her whole life is given to the nurture and admonition and teaching of children as, as many of you experience and do. And here she is with her son. And we will see not only her ability to teach, but this strange courage, undaunted courage. When you're talking to a young man, as I was, a heathen who by this point had rejected any thought of God, that the only God I had was myself on the throne of my life, and I made a lousy king as I tried to self-destruct. And my mother was like this woman, taught, what are you doing, my son? I term it that way. Just pretend your mom's saying, what are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? The word I wanted to use for this particular passage is longing. Mom, your role is partially teaching, according to this inspired scripture, but it will be filled with a holy longing for the wholeness for your children, for each and every one of them. And young person, teenager, child, your mom and dad exist in a, in a healthy home. I will put that caveat on it. To both long for your success and the beauty of your life. And also to teach you and model that. And so many of you do so well in that regard. And thank you for what you do. But here, this mom says, what are you doing? in a form of disappointment. And she warns, what are you doing? Son of my womb, there is a personal, physical cost to birth. You are everything to me, and I am utterly committed to you. She is speaking with the very authority of Scripture and also the power of the Holy Spirit to her kid. And maybe you're that kid. She's speaking to someone she wants to become a king. But she says, what are you doing, son of my vows? Everything, in a sense, is wrapped up in you and my relationship with you. First, we see that teaching function emanating from my mom's heart of love. Then we see the almost physical presence of herself in his life and his, her desire for her. And then she goes on to begin to teach. It's a, it's a strange teaching in this era. Listen to it. Do not give your strength. It could be physical, physical strength. She wants her to, him to use his strength for good. It could be financial strength or moral strength. She's talking to a young man she wants, in a sense, to be king. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. Here we have presented the rich blessing of marriage and conjugal bliss, but the deadly nature of sexual involvement without commitment. Further, she goes on to cite the social lubricant that unwisely used can most easily wax the skis of illicit behavior and consequent spiritual and physical destruction. Here is a woman giving her everything to her son. She's seeing the future of a nation perhaps reside on him. He, she may have been talking to a boy who was being raised in the courts of the king, prepared for kingship. And she says, watch out, 
for inappropriate relationships. They're dangerous. They're deadly. They're like biting snakes and can tear you apart if you're not careful. When the love of God transmits itself through mom or through dad in a correct and biblical way, you need to listen with antennas finely tuned to hear every little moment of what they say. Do not give your strength to woman whose ways destroy kings. David gave his strength one time in one situation to a beautiful woman who he had command of, and it destroyed everything. It created an endless nightmare in his life. It is only by the grace of God that I stand here. I did everything I could as a young man and about the age of this kind of guy to destroy everything in my life, both through the illicit use of certain um, uh, elixirs, but also through the inappropriate uh, involvement with women. It's ridiculous. It's astounding when you look back on your life and say, what was I thinking? But here is this woman. Billy Sunday was one of the top baseball players of his day and back in the 1920s. He, uh, he and his brother had to leave his mother's home. I believe his father died in the Civil War. His mom, I think, was on some kind of death spiral as well. She loved him with all her heart, but she had to just give them away to a society. They didn't even know where they were going. A conductor on a train let him on. It's one of the most frightening stories you will ever hear. But God did not forget him. And as he grew up, and he was given a gift of speed, one of the fastest base runners you could ever imagine. But he said, I was addicted to sin, shackled. But as the song said, but Christ had regarded his helpless estate and has shed his own blood for this boy's soul. Billy Sunday became the great preacher of the earliest 20th century. And he paints this childhood picture in William T. Ellis's biography. Ellis wrote things on Sunday and wrote a beautiful, eloquent biography of the man, a description of himself and his mother when Sunday was a little boy alone with his mom. Once more, we crossed the threshold and sat at our frugal meal. Once more, mother drew the trundle bed out from under the larger one, and we boys kneeling down shut our eyes and clasping our little hands said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And this I ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. A poem follows in the book backward. Turn backward, O time in thy flight. Make me a child again just for tonight. Mother, come back from that echoless shore. Take me again to your heart as of yore. Into the old cradle I'm longing to creep. Rock me to sleep, Mother. Rock me to sleep. What he did with that precious relationship in the short term was this. Let him tell the story. I tell it to you with shame. I stretched the elastic bands of my mother's love until I thought they would break. I went far into the dark and the wrong until I ceased to hear her prayers or her pleadings. I forgot her face. I went so far that it seemed to me that one more step and the elastic bands of her love would break and I would be lost. But thank God, friends, I never took that last step. Little by little, I yielded to the tender memories and recollections of my mother. 
Little by little, I was drawn away from the yawning abyss. And over 40 years ago, one dark and stormy night in Chicago, I groped my way out of darkness into the arms of Jesus Christ. And I fell on my knees and cried, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Talk about a relational world. That's what a mom's world is. And that's what she inspired in the son who she hoped would be a king. But there are prerequisites to kingship. Some won't like to hear that. Verse 4, it is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings. This is his mom talking to drink wine. Or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of the afflicted. A judge cannot be a form, cannot, a good judge cannot be addicted to much wine. I will not make the case for no wine and all this, all the complexity. I would say what my father said to me, moderation in all things. That's what I believe in. And moderation means moderate. But it brings forth, if it here, let me give you an example. There are so many. You'll remember John the Baptist beheaded by a drunken king. You'll remember other Old Testament stories very similarly where people got too high as a kite and did the most outrageous things. But sometimes for kings or soon to be kings, it changes them forever. Read the biography of of Ronald Reagan written by Edmund Morris. And there's this moment when he was a young man, a teenager, coming home and on his porch in, I think it was Illinois, forgive me if it's the wrong state, there on his porch it had snowed. And he saw a father who seldom came home, sometimes would be gone for weeks, very talented man, however, uh, addiction had gotten to him. He saw him stretched out in the form of a crucifix in the snow on his front porch. That was his dad. And he took him and he brought him into the house where often his mom would be left deserted for weeks without her husband. And he put him to bed and somewhere in that She didn't say anything. She didn't say much to him. She handed him a book. It was called The Printer of Udell. Now, here's what the story is about in a nutshell. It's a story of a young man coming, in a sense, to Christ and to a a practical Christianity and changing his world after he had seen his father spread eagle in the same way as Ronald Reagan's dad. Small wonder some of us believe he was the finest president perhaps I have known of in my lifetime. Because when, for example, drinks were passed out in places, it's not that he wouldn't sip them, but everyone knew he would take gentle sips over the long term of the life as opposed to just drowning his sorrows and his life and his stresses in addictive materials. And God used him in such a wonderful way to God the Father. You are his son, you are his daughter, and you were made for something great. As the story of the printer of Udell described a young man coming to terms with life and sin, but also goodness and loving kindness. And he was able in that book, in that fictional book to change his town. But this, this man Reagan for a moment for sure changed our world for the better. And it starts out with listening to the loving counsel of his mom. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. If you're going to use it to some excess, thank God for our our wonderful people who deal with the cancer 
uh, torn and worn in, at the extremity of their life and use uh, drugs that are in this world to give peace and some protection and some lessening of pain. It's a beautiful thing in that kind of situation. But the best thing to do with our fears and concerns is take it all to the Lord Jesus in prayer. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of those who are destitute. She's saying, I want you to do something with your life. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And then goes on to say this. An excellent wife who can find she is more precious than jewels. Son, son, son of my womb, son of everything to me, find this precious woman. Find this virtuous woman. Find your peace not in a bottle, nor in a needle, nor in an illicit relationship, young teenager, Put this away. Put this in a safe in your heart. Never let it go. Everybody else is lying to you if they tell you anything different from what I'm saying right now in this moment. Listen to the teachings of a godly mother and do not turn away from them. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Then you will put on the crown of nobility and royalty and take off the fool's cap, which will do nothing but uh, dis-ennoble you, minimize you, and hurt you in your heart, your actions, and in your world. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Open your mouth. Here's what I want you to do for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. And then here's what you really need, son. An excellent wife who can find she is more precious, far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. I made a covenant relationship with a young lady many, many years ago, 1976, 40, almost 47 years ago. A apart from receiving Christ as my Savior, it was the smartest move I ever made in my life. She is one of the dearest human beings on the planet, and I love her with all my heart, and she knows that. I'm a pain in the neck to live with, to be very frank with you. I'm intense, I'm combative, I have my problems and my issues. But God loved me enough to give Melanie to me for this short time that I'm on this planet. And I thank God for it. And one reason I knew where to look for her was by looking at the love of my mom who cared for me, who raised me, who had a dream that I would not destroy my life in crazy living but somehow I would be redeemed. One night, I sat across a table for, from her, and she saw that I had changed radically. It, was, it almost concerned her, is this for real? I said, Mom, when I was out there being stupid, did you pray for me? 
And of course she had in the generic sense, in the big sense, maybe not in the detailed sense. She was a Christian her whole life, but didn't have the privilege you've had of being exposed to the Word of God in a very uh, unique and precise way. Not that I do that, but perhaps my son or others that you listen to on the radio. But her prayers and my dad's prayers and their confrontation about my bad behavior were an elixir of love given to me. They were a healing balm and ultimately drew me and drove me to the love of Jesus Christ. You see, my mom is a symbolic of this. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. There is possibly nothing more amazing and productive, wise, prudent, and wondrous than a godly woman in love with Jesus. Hope and pray for that as your spouse. Hope and pray for that as your wife. Hope and pray for that, those as your children. Let's bow our heads to pray. More precious than jewels are the heart and lives of our moms. And Lord, I know, as you remind me, that we didn't all have godly moms, but help us to forgive them. Help us to forget the things that uh, they did that were inappropriate. And, and let there be a, a wellspring of love for what you've done and young ladies' hearts in this room, and young men's hearts in this room, because of your word, which is straight from the love of the Father, for, for your word that was perhaps taught you at the knees of a godly Sunday school teacher, if, if you will, a surrogate mom, a replacement for your mom. And Lord, help us to honor and love and care for our wives. O oh, son of my womb, my very inner being, daughter of my heart, won't you follow the Lord your Savior wherever he leads you? Won't you make that decision right now? Won't you admit that you're a sinner? Believe that Christ is the only Savior. There's no other name under heaven and earth by which men might be saved. And then choose to follow him. If that's the prayer of your heart, right now in silence, just lift up the hand of your heart and say, Lord, I'm yours, anything you ask. Take me where you want. I want to be used by you as a king, a queen, a princess, royalty, empowered and diligent to do your work and your will. That's your prayer. He's heard your prayer and will answer swiftly.